Great. Well, as Dan said um, last Sunday, uh, he and Chris and I shared uh, the vision. We believe God's calling uh, Kings too. And as Dan also said, uh, we talked about these three priorities to rediscover church as a family of God and to recalibrate to a great commission mindset and to receive the Holy Spirit in more power uh, than ever. And if, if you weren't here, if you weren't able to watch the service last week, we would love you to uh, go to the website or go to uh, where you get your podcasts and, and listen to it again or watch it again. Uh, it is really, it, is, it will make sense of what Kings is about going forward. Uh, so I, I, I don't need to be like, man, why do they keep talking about this? Why are they doing that rather than this? Well, that, that, the message that we shared last week is, is a kind of key starter point for that. Uh, so we really do want to encourage you uh, to listen uh, to that, or you can watch it, uh, to think about it, to be talking about it and praying about it uh, with others. And as of those three priorities, it's the third one that we are going to be spending our uh, time uh, focusing our preaching on for the next few months, to receive the Holy Spirit in more power than ever. And the reason we're doing that is because the Holy Spirit is absolutely vital uh, to those other two priorities being achieved. Among the Holy Spirit's great works is that he unites us to God as our Father and to one another as brothers and sisters. If you want to be a church family, you need the Holy Spirit to be at work in you and those around you. And it is he who sends us and empowers us for mission everywhere we go. Jesus said, Go, that's the Great Commission. Go make disciples of all nations. But he also said, wait, you must be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can't go until I've empowered you. And so you need, if you want to serve God, you need his Holy Spirit in you. So he's really, really important. And yet he's probably also the, less, the least well-known member of the Trinity. Someone would say to you, well, who is the Holy Spirit? I wonder how you'd answer or even if maybe you're not a Christian here, or if you would speak to people who aren't Christians, say, who's the Holy Spirit? They'd <laughs> be like, what? If you'd say to oh, who's, you know, who's God, uh, the Father, or who's Jesus? I think most people, uh, certainly if they've got any understanding of Christianity, will have some kind of answer, and they'll be like, well, I can start telling you. Who's the Holy Spirit? A lot of time people are like, and that's, that's not right. That is not right. We want to change that. Often people will talk about kings being like, we're a lively church, it's an upbeat church. People sometimes talk about that as if those were like stylistic choices that we've made. We're like, tell you what, let's be lively. Let's be upbeat of all the options. Wouldn't that be great? No, we are lively because the life of God by the Holy Spirit has been poured out upon us. We are upbeat because he has come down to us and is changing us and is leading us and directing us. And so this church only makes sense and the purposes of God only make sense if the person of the Holy Spirit is known to you and you're experiencing him. He comes to us with power. He comes to us with healing. He comes to us with comfort. He comes to us with the truth. He comes to us with counsel. He comes to us with guidance. He comes to us with the love of God. We need those things. You need those things. And it's God's intention and will that you receive them by his Holy Spirit. We are certain that whether you have been someone who has known and loved the Holy Spirit for decades or whether you're sitting here today thinking, I've literally never heard of this ever before, we are certain that God has more for you, that he wants you to experience more of him and that there are no exceptions to that statement. 
Our half night of prayer on Friday night, Carrie brought a prophetic word about the Spirit meeting with us in new ways. And as elders, that's what we really believe he wants to do. The more any of us understand about him, the greater our expectations of him will be. And the greater our expectation, the greater our faith, the more typically he is then able to do. And so from now until May, which is just like so far away, isn't it? And we're used to living like week by week, like May? Is May even going to happen? Well, I mean, probably. And either way, we're going to have been preaching about the Holy Spirit until then. And we're going to have been focusing our small group discussions on him as well. We aren't rushing this. We're not prepared to be like, two, maybe three weeks, we'll talk about the Holy Spirit. No. And even as we've been mapping this all out, I'm like, oh, we're not really talking all that much about that or this or that, about him. There's so much for us to learn and to experience and to believe and to enjoy. And what we want to do every week Um, Although there are stories that we might like to share of of people who have encountered God by his Holy Spirit and the things that he's done, we'll be finding different ways to share that, hopefully. It would encourage you in your small groups as people just say, well, this is is how I've experienced the Holy Spirit before. This is the things that he's done in my life. Those things are absolutely beautiful and wonderful, and I'd love for you to share those. But we are going to preach to you from the Bible every week because it is in the Bible that we learn who the Holy Spirit is and what he wants to do. We aren't going to go further than what the Bible says about him. But the fact of the matter is the Bible says a whole lot more about him than most Christians experience. And so we're going to begin with the Old Testament today. And this is going to give us some of the background for the amazing things that the Spirit does in the New Testament when Jesus comes and the church is born. And what we see in the New Testament is this new era that Jesus brings about that he inaugurates. And that is the era in which we live. The days of the New Testament are our days. What we see happening there is for us today. I've called today's message The Long Longing because in it we hear a prophetic desire expressed that wasn't fulfilled for over a thousand years. Have you ever had one of those moments where you you catch a glimpse of something, you you get a taste of something, but even as you're experiencing it, You have this tension because you know it's going to be ages until it's actually fulfilled. You get a taste of something and you're like, but I'm not going to experience it for ages. Who knows how long? So I remember 20 years ago uh, being invited by some friends. They said, "Um, there's this Lord of the Rings film going to come out. Why don't you come and watch it with us? I was like, sure, okay. That's what you want to do. I'm happy to spend an evening doing that. Uh, Let's go. Uh, And so I went with, I don't know what my expectations were. They were just to hang out with my friends, really. Three hours later, I was gripped. I was totally gripped. The story, the scenery, the actions, the characters, the music, everything. I was totally immersed in it. And I just wanted more and more of it. I said, this is the greatest film I've ever seen. May it go on and on and on. And obviously, for some people, three hours length of film did feel like it was going on and on and on. But I was like, this is great. We're just getting started. And then it ended. And it ended with Sam and, uh, and Frodo looking across Mordor to, to Mordor, looking across to the rest of the story happening. And it's all there. And you feel the sense of, and now the credits, the credits. I just went from like, wow, to, wow, no. No, it's another year till the next part comes out. And then it's another year until it finishes. To console myself for that yearning, I think I went to the cinema sometime, somewhere between three and five times to see that first film. 
And I was like, I'm just, oh, how am I going to cope with this waiting? Now, obviously, I could have read the book, but I felt at the point at that time, <laughs> and I have done many, many times since, but that time I felt kind of committed to the films. I wanted to see how they were going to tell the story. And, and it, there can be something of that with the spirit in the Old Testament. He's, he's spoken of. He's seen in action, and it's amazing. But it's, it's just for a particular moment, a particular person receives the Spirit for a particular task at a particular time, and then it's like he's gone again. And everyone else around, the best they can do is watch someone on whom the Spirit falls. And, and there's a sense of, wouldn't it be great if, if more than just that one person had him? We see something and think, oh, if only... Well, we live in the age, as I've said, of the New Testament, when the Holy Spirit is being freely given. And by looking at this longing, by looking and thinking about what God has promised and at God's faithfulness, and at some of those scenes from the Old Testament, our confidence in God's gifts for us can be grown. Our hunger and our thirst can be sharpened and satisfied. So let's, why don't we just pray? Maybe you're feeling hungry already. Maybe you're excited already. Maybe you're like, okay, fine. Let's just ask God right now to come and meet with us today by his Holy Spirit. Some of you will have felt that already as we worshipped or even, even, even before that. Some of you may feel like you've never felt that. Some of you may feel you kind of come along here for various reasons. You're like, they're very loud when they sing and stuff. And I don't know why. It's because the Spirit is on some of us. And I want him to be on all of us. I want him to be on you. Why don't you ask him now? Holy Spirit, would you fall on me? Would you, as I, would you just pray now? God, give me faith. Give me fresh faith from your word. Amen. So let's look at God's word then. We're going to read from chapter 11 of the book of Numbers. And this is uh, early on in the the Old Testament. And God's people have been set free from slavery in Egypt. And they are now bound to him in a covenant that was established at Mount Sinai. And they go down the mountain and basically everything goes downhill. In chapter 11, the people who have been receiving bread from heaven on a daily basis are like, we are bored with bread from heaven. This is rubbish. And Moses says to God, I would rather you killed me than I continued leading this people. It's too much. God responds to both those things. And it's what God says and does, particularly to Moses, that we're going to focus on. So chapter 11, verse 16, and then we'll skip down a little bit later. Then the Lord said to Moses, gather for me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them, and bring them to the tent of meeting. It's the place outside the camp uh, where God would meet with Moses. He says, and let them take their stand there with you, and I will come down and talk with you there. And I will take some of the spirit that is on you and put it on them, and they shall bear the burden of the people with you so that you may not bear it yourself alone. So Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord. And he gathered 70 men of the elders of the people and placed them around the tent. 
Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him and took some of the spirit that was on him and put it on the 70 elders. And as soon as the spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but they did not continue doing it. Now two men remained in the camp, one named Eldad and the other named Medad, and the spirit rested on them. They were among those registered, but they had not gone out to the tent. And so they prophesied in the camp. And a young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the assistant of Moses from his youth, said, My Lord Moses, stop them. But Moses said to him, Are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit on them. And Moses and the elders of Israel returned to the camp. This is God's word. And there is that long longing that we are looking at today. Would that all the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit on them. And that is the fourth time in just this very short reading that those two aspects of the Spirit's activities are mentioned. We're told in verse 17 that the Spirit is on Moses. And in verse 24, Moses speaks on God's behalf. That's prophesying. We're told in verse 25 that the 68 other men go to the tent of meeting and the Spirit rested on them and they prophesied. We're then told in verse 26, the two men who stayed in the camp for whatever reason, the Spirit rested on them and they prophesied. And then the conclusion of the story, Moses says he wishes that the Spirit was on all people and that they would all prophesy. That kind of tight repetition is meant to get our attention. So let's give it. We're going to focus on these two things the rest of our time together. Firstly, the Spirit rested on them. What is this Spirit? The Hebrew word translated spirit is ruach, and that can mean spirit or wind or breath. And that can feel a bit impersonal. But the Bible shows us that the spirit is a person. He's not just any person. He is God himself. Our small group materials this week, as we start this new series, they will talk about that. They'll take you through some of the verses about that. And we can see it in our reading. The spirit isn't just called a spirit. It's his spirit, as in God's spirit. And he does things that only God can do. He is God's life-giving presence. And so as we seek to experience more of the spirit, this isn't something abstract. This is something very personal. God is giving himself to us. Even as he gives us gifts, the means by which he does so is himself. We may feel things, we may do things, but the ultimate point is that we are meeting a person. The giving of the Spirit was a way of accrediting and empowering the 70 elders who were to share the leadership burden with Moses. They were clearly men uh, who already had responsibilities. Uh, Maybe they they were just, they'd grown old and so they had uh, respect because of that. They were experienced, maybe they were talented. But they needed something far greater than that to do what God was calling them to do. God doesn't just say, take those 70 guys because they've got it all together already. No. They needed the Holy Spirit to be on them. Whether we have an abundance of natural gifting, whether you're just brilliant at loads of things, and I know you wouldn't say it because you're also brilliant at humility, but whether that's true, whether you just find things work really well for you most of the time, and the way you'll know this is you look at other people and you're like, why aren't you just doing that? 
Maybe you're one of those other people. You're like, I don't know why I'm not doing it, but I can't. Maybe you just feel, you know, you just feel like you've got nothing. You need the Holy Spirit either way. And God is delighted to give his Holy Spirit either way. Being given the Spirit is never about earning. It is always about receiving. He is called a gift. And it's never about being qualified. What we see here is these men are given a divine qualification by the Spirit. It's never that you've done something, God's like, wow, better give them the Spirit. It's not how it works. So if you're saying, oh, but I'm like this, oh, but I've done that, the other, that's irrelevant. What, is, what matters is that God's intention is to pour his spirit out. So what happens to them then? We're told uh, in the, the five different times we're told about the spirit's activity, we're told the spirit was on them or the spirit rested on them. And, and, and these words and the other ways that the Old Testament describes the spirit's activity, they're meant to tell us that something comes from outside the person and impacts them. So this isn't about they were suddenly inspired or they suddenly had a good idea, or they suddenly realized they could do these things. It's not that. Something comes onto them from outside of them. Numbers 11 happens without anyone else being involved. Moses says, come to a meeting. That's basically it. But other times, it's communicated physically and or symbolically from one person uh, to another. So we're told about Joshua later on. Moses' successor was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. There's a cause and effect there. Moses had been given something by God, and Moses was then able to give that to others, in this case, Joshua. When David was identified as Israel's next king, we're told in 1 Samuel 16 that Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him. That means he poured the oil over David in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. That the pouring of oil onto David, it symbolizes what the Holy Spirit is doing in the same moment. So with Moses, it's like there's a hand of someone who's encountered God, is then put on someone else and they encounter God. With this, it's like something is poured on him as the Spirit is poured on him. It's ways of us seeing what is happening in the spiritual reality. And just to be clear, this wasn't like a smudge of oil on David's forehead. This was a lot. It's a horn. I don't know what that means, really, except it was an animal horn. So, like, at the, most, at the least, it's like, you know, a canful or something. This reminded me that, um, of a publicity campaign that uh, Chelsea Football Club did for a new kit of theirs a few years ago. Uh, they wear blue, and so they poured loads of blue paint on a bunch of their players. And this is what we should think about when we think about a sense of outpouring a sense of overwhelming, a sense of being marked. This is what we should think about when we think about the Spirit coming on someone. All right? Have you... You know, you look at those guys with their moody looks. They're still footballers, obviously. You're like, you know, is that, is that some blue paint on you? No one's saying that. The oil on David's... No one's like, is there a bit of oil on you? In the same way, it's the, it's the Holy Spirit on you. Now, he works in all sorts of ways, and he's subtle and mysterious and free. But this is the kind of sense that God's word wants us to have. 
Another way of thinking about it, one of the uh, prayer walks that Dan and Chris and I went on as we were seeking God last year for the, the, the vision that we've shared this year, uh, we went up to, uh, we did the, like the Braid Hills walk. It's just one, it's great praying in Edinburgh because there's, there's a hill everywhere and you can then see the city and you're praying about it. And we went up there and we were kind of, we we're praying for the city and, and stuff and asking God to speak to us. And then we turned around and the wind coming down from the Pentlands was just like, it was so powerful. It was literally taking my breath away. You're trying to pray and the wind's just like, vroom. Like, guys, I'm just going to turn around. Right, we, we need that. The, we need the wind of the Spirit. We cannot do what God's calling us to do. It's not just, may sometimes be as subtle as that, but actually, he's the wind. He's the breath of God. Joshua, David, the 70 elders in our reading, they were changed by what happened to them. What happened to them? We're told they prophesied. There are many effects of the giving of the Spirit uh, recorded in Scripture. Probably the most common is that people prophesy. And we'll look at prophecy in more detail later in the series. But the important thing to remember, because uh, usually when we say prophesy, we think, ah, they said something about the future. That's not, that, that can be what prophecy is, but it's really not its essence. The essence of prophecy, Deuteronomy 18 tells us, is that a prophet is someone who speaks on God's behalf. They are his authoritative spokesperson. That's what Moses has been doing ever since he met with God in the burning bush, or by the burning bush. Okay, Exodus 3.15, God says to him, I'm telling you, now tell them. And that's what happens again and again and again. God speaks to Moses, Moses speaks to others. That's prophecy, that's what's going on. And so that's why when God wanted all these other elders to be involved in the leadership that Moses had been carrying by himself, he said, I'm going to give you the ability to do what... Moses was doing. I'm going to speak through you like I spoke in a way like I spoke through Moses. They were to speak on God's behalf to the other people. And this, therefore, brings us to this longing that Moses experienced. One of the things we really want this preaching series to do, one of the things I believe this preaching series is going to do, is to give you fresh and greater expectation of what the Spirit can do. And part of that is learning that he does whatever he wants. Jesus said of him, the wind blows where it wishes. Six J elders had gone out to the special place, the only place where God would meet with people. And the other two didn't make it. Did Eldad and Medad forget the time? Were they hoping to catch the live stream? Instead, did some urgent business or sudden distraction hold them up? We don't know. What we do know is that the Spirit of God fell on them, not where people expected God to meet with people. They were, it was just right where they were. You could be sitting here, you could be sitting at home, you could be sitting at work, and the Holy Spirit can fall on you. This causes a minor scandal amongst some of the keen young guys. Joshua doesn't want anyone challenging Moses' authority, and so he's horrified. Moses is not horrified. Why not? Is Moses just a really secure leader? It's probably part of that, he says to, he says to Joshua. Don't be jealous for my sake. But I think there's something else here. He doesn't just say, I'm fine. He says, word that all the Lord's people were prophets that the Lord would put his spirit on them. This is not wishful thinking. 
This isn't like wood that Scotland were warmer in the summer. <laughs> it's not like sentimentality. Wood that it were Christmas every day. It's, it's not that. It is a prophetic statement, a revelation of God's will from someone who knows God's heart and who knows God's purposes. Moses sees the spirit given in the way that he is throughout the Old Testament. It's to a particular person at a particular time for a particular task. And he's like, that is great. And I really want there to be more of that. That is insufficient by itself. It's 70 people out of a company of 600,000. That is a small percentage, and they don't keep prophesying. It is a momentary event. It's a taste of a feast to come, and Moses knows how hungry the people are, even if they don't. He knows how easily led astray they are, how weak and messed up they are. He knows they need God, but he also knows that even if they were the wisest, strongest, greatest people on earth, like Egypt, they would still be hopeless at knowing God by themselves. They would still not be able to speak on God's behalf. What they need, what Moses longs for, is for all of them to truly know God. What the world needs is not just one gifted person, or 70, or 600,000, but for every follower of Jesus to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The reason I'm so sure that this is what Moses is thinking about is because I know it's what God was thinking about, because it's what God did. Later prophets pick up on this longing and they reiterate it, most famously Joel. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. Jesus came with the Holy Spirit upon him to do this for everyone, to fulfill that promise. And that's why we're going to be telling you again and again and again during this preaching series that God wants to put his Holy Spirit on you. I don't want you to believe me. I don't even to believe the stories of other people around you. Be encouraged by those things, but believe the word of God that makes this promise to you. And believe the one who alone fulfills it. Acts 2, 38 to 39, Peter says to them, he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So you need to consider, am I everyone? Am I all? And is God faithful? I mean, he shows his faithfulness just in the story, doesn't he? He says in verse 17, I will take some of the spirit that's on you and put it on, on them. And he does it in verse 25. The Lord took some of the spirit that was on Moses and put it on the 70 elders. He says in Joel 2 that he will do this for all people. He does it in Acts 2 and he has been doing it ever since he will do it. The Bible assures us until Jesus returns.
Are you longing for more of the Spirit? Do you, do you feel your inadequacy, your lack, your dryness, your thirst, your hunger? I do. I really do. We can't know exactly what it will look like when, we can't, when he comes, because as we've seen, he's free to do whatever he wants. We can read in his word and we can get expectations. We can see the kind of things he does and believe that they're for us too. But God himself will meet with us and give us his gifts. The day that Moses longed for is here. It is now. It is that the people Moses prayed for, was hoping for, are you and me. It's us. We just need to ask that God would fulfill his promises among us again today. If you believe he's faithful, you can believe that he'll give you of his spirit. So, band, why don't you come up and we're just going to make some time for this to happen. And we've got time. We've really got time. Some of the times during this series, we'll, we'll invite people who are particularly keen or thirsty just to come to the front and we'll, we'll lay hands on you. It's a very biblical thing to do. Um, but I just thought, well, our story today, they're just gathered to God. And if you're here, however you're feeling, whatever you're believing about God, you're, you're gathered to him today. So we can just expect that he'll fall on us where we are, where you are. Maybe, maybe you want, might want to stand. You want to... Maybe put your hands out because it's believing that we're receiving from him, that he's giving something to us. And we're just going to see where he leads us. I don't know. But I do know that he is willing and able to put his spirit upon you right now, right where you are. Just, just, there's a, will you believe that? Don't, don't spend time thinking, am I believing it? Just say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, here I am. I'm before you. I'm reaching out to you. I'm asking you now to put your spirit upon me.